0: I invite you now to listen to the scripture. This morning, uh, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. I'm reading from chapter 3, beginning at verse 4 and working through verse 15. If anyone has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day. A member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet, whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the sharing of His sufferings by becoming like Him in His death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Beloved, I do not consider it that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of god in christ jesus let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind and if you think differently about anything this too god will reveal to you this is the word of god for us the people of god thanks be to god For me, this passage from Philippians has been formative most of my adult life. I can still remember the the day 45 years ago when Anthony Campola, preaching as only Campola could, preached on this powerful text, Paul forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, forgetting the past, counting all of it rubbish for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul pressing on toward the goal for the upward call of the the prize, the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Campola made that text come alive for me. I want that text read at my funeral. It is that kind of a formative text in my life. Uh, there's a sense in which I, I say only half-tongue-in-cheek that Paul may have been the first Methodist. This, this text about, you know, uh, striving for holiness and godliness every day, uh, getting closer and closer to God, that's, that is all Methodist theology. And and yet in Paul, uh, and this is not always true for Paul, but Paul is so humble in this text, he says uh, repeatedly, I haven't made it my own yet. I haven't gotten there. I, I don't consider that I've gotten there. I'm making it my own. I'm striving for it. I'm pressing forward. What a thrilling text that has always been for me. I found myself this week humming a a hymn from the old Cokesbury hymnal, hymn number 127 it is. I I don't know whether you noticed, those of you who watch these uh, services carefully, I couldn't help it. I had to bring my little brown Cokesbury hymnal and sing out of it today. Back when we Methodists used to have evening church, we knew most of the hymns in here by the page number and you just called out 127, and everybody knew you're getting ready to sing, I'm pressing on the upward way, uh, new heights I'm gaining every day. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Is that appealing to you? Not even in church, not the Cokesbury hymnal. Is that text appealing to you? This this idea of, of pressing on and striving to get closer to to who God wants me to be and how I can get there. I I realize that I look back on my Christian life that I've not pressed on with the same intensity every day. There have been days that I've really accelerated and there have been days I've dragged my feet. There have been some days I've moved forward and others that I've almost feel like I've taken steps backward. There have been times that, that I haven't even planned where there have been intense bursts of spiritual growth and other entire seasons where it feels like I, uh, the field has lain fallow and that nothing at all has been growing. But all along, over the years, uh, this text has come back to me over and over again. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And as this text has come back to me again this week, It has come back to me, as the Bible often does, in different ways, depending on what is going on in your life. And this week, this text has come to me from the street. From the streets of Macon, from the streets of Washington, D.C., from the streets of Minneapolis, from the streets of Paris and Rome and little cities and even villages across this country. And this text reminds me that not only are we to be straining forward in our individual Christian lives, of course we are, but that there is a dimension of Christianity which is also a social and a corporate dimension. And as I have heard this text, I'm hearing uh, the people in the streets saying, I'm straining forward, I'm pressing on for that upward call, for that higher ground that God is leading us to as a nation. Are you feeling any of that? Is is any of that happening for you? I know that there has been some violence in these marches uh, initially early on. And we grieve because of that violence. Uh, Some of the businesses that were destroyed are in the, uh, the, the livelihoods of those people. And we're in the very neighborhoods that the most need those businesses but please do not be deceived. Most of the marches, the vast overwhelming number of these marches have been peaceful, thoughtful, careful, lawful protests. The sounds and the cries of a people wanting our nation to be better than what we are and to live up to that higher ground that represents uh, the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution and uh, even represented, of course, in our Bibles. Who here has not been sickened by what we have seen? The 8 minute and 48 second video of George Floyd's death who could not have been deeply disturbed by watching the video of two white men hunting down Ahmad Arbery in Brunswick, Georgia, chasing him down and killing him uh, in broad daylight? Who could not be deeply disturbed by the knowledge that justice in some southern communities works out a little bit differently depending on the color of your skin. And who of us is not aware that these marches are also the result of a deep and subterranean yearning for things to be made more right in our society? I can't answer for you, but I know that for me, uh, pressing on and aiming for higher ground and, and saying, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground is, is also a pressing on for our world and for our community and yes, for our church. I'm pressing on every day new heights I want to gain. There's a lot of ferment going on right now, and I, I, I wonder how it is affecting you. Are you feeling uh, a, a, a sense of excitement and anticipation for what can be? Or are you feeling a sense of fear and dread for what might happen to you if you feel like you're in a place of, uh, of power right now and, and don't want to let go of any of that? Maybe we are feeling all of those things at the same time. I do believe that most of us in the church are prayerfully searching What God wants us to do and where God wants us to be in all of this ferment I Got an interesting phone call uh, Earlier this week It was from an african-american woman She in her prayer time. She's a Christian in her prayer time uh, She felt like God was saying to her you need to broaden your circle You need to start talking to and listening to some people who are different from you. Well, somehow or other, she thought of me. And she contacted me. And we had a 30-minute conversation about the things that are going on in our nation. It was a powerful and a beautiful and a moving conversation. I'm not saying that that our conversation, hers and mine, made any difference in our world. But this is one thing that I believe, that the God who prompted her to call me is prompting a whole lot of people right now around our country. And some of them are going out and marching, but there are a whole bunch of other people, I believe, who God is prompting to do just exactly what she did. Get a little bit outside your comfort zone, Find a way as a Christian that you can talk to somebody that you won't normally talk to and listen to somebody who can tell you some things different than the echo chamber you might be in. My wife and I watched the 2019 movie, Just Mercy, last week. I hope you've watched it. If not, cue it up and watch it tonight. Um, It's a powerful movie, you can get it for free. I hope some of you are perhaps uh, reading things that you have put off reading. The New York Times best seller list right now is full of books that have risen to the top, all of them about our country and dealing with race. Some of them are brand new books, others are books that were written decades ago but all of them helping Americans and a a great deal of us apparently are reading things that can open our minds I am reading uh, the new Jim Crow it is a book about racism and mass incarceration I'm only on about chapter 2 or 3 don't worry I'm not going to report to you what I've been reading I will say that I may or may not agree with everything that is written in that book, but that's okay. I want to read. I want to be informed. I want God to open my mind in new ways. I'm pressing on uh, to higher ground. I'm pressing on to that goal of the call of God in Christ Jesus to, to be different. To be more aware, to be more culturally sensitive, and and to be um, more in line with my African American brothers and sisters, uh, with Native Americans, uh, with other minorities uh, who are crying out to be heard. There have been so many people marching in so many places that it's hard to keep up with all of it. You probably uh, read or noticed that last Sunday, Mitt Romney, Senator Mitt Romney from Utah, marched in a Black Lives Matter march. It was the most amazing thing to see. And as the reporter walked down the street with him and held the microphone up to him, he had his mask on and and asked him, why are you here? Uh, He answered through the mask because Black Lives Matter. What a powerful statement that was coming from him. But what, else you, what you may not have known and what I find even more interesting is about the group that he was marching with. I wanted to find out about them. I did some research on that group. He marched with 2,000 Christians These are not just your run-of-the-mill people. These are 2,000 Christians who were marching two miles to the White House. And I want to say something else about this group. These were not your liberal Episcopalian and Unitarian Christians. Excuse me, uh, Unitarians and uh, Episcopalians, I salute you. I'm glad you're marching. These. Christians, however, were noteworthy to me because this group was a coalition of conservative Christians. These were conservative, evangelical, King James Version, NIV Version Christians who carry their Bibles not only to the outside of a church, but carry them on inside a church and there open them and read them. These conservative Christians who say we believe in the authority of the Bible also believe that black lives matter. Folks, there's a tipping point that we are reaching in our country when that group of our brothers and sisters in Christ are singing Amazing Grace walking down the streets of our public cities and saying, black lives matter. I consider that to be God's movement of the spirit and I could imagine that group singing, Lord, uh, lift me up and plant my feet on higher ground. I know that there are some who are bothered by the phrase black lives matter and that those people and i can understand this uh, uh, want to insist that all lives matter and of course they do jesus died for all of us thank you lord and hallelujah yes all lives matter but i'd like you to think about it like this for just a second Let's pretend that you have a broken arm, and you go to your orthopedist, and you say, I'd like my arm repaired, and your orthopedist says, well, all bones matter. Well, that's true, but you haven't come to talk to him about all bones mattering. You've come to him because there is one particular bone that needs attention. And that is the meaning uh, for me of the phrase, Black Lives Matter, that in a country where all of us do matter, when one part of the body is hurting, that's the part that we focus on. And I'm quite convinced that were Jesus here with us physically today, that we would have found him in that march alongside those 2,000 Christians. Let me finish with a few reflections on kneeling. There's been a lot of talk about kneeling these days, and a number of people have knelt for eight minutes and 48 seconds in remembrance of uh, George Floyd's death. I wrote a post on facebook a few days ago about kneeling and when i did i heard back from a dear friend of mine another methodist preacher named eddie eddie and i love each other eddie wears one of the biggest cowboy hats i've ever seen the only thing bigger than his cowboy hat is his smile eddie and i love each other We don't agree on a whole lot of things. Eddie says one of the reasons he loves me is because I'm one of the only liberals that doesn't call him a racist or a homophobe. I hope he has some more liberals who don't do that to him. I love Eddie because he is a sincere, genuine Christian with a deep faith. And when Eddie gives you a hug, you know you've been hugged. So Eddie and I are talking on Facebook about kneeling and probably not completely agreeing even on that. But he and I both agreed on one thing, that when this virus is over, we're gonna meet together and we're both gonna get on our knees and we're gonna pray with each other and we're not gonna be socially distanced. There used to be a time when we Methodists got on our knees more than we do now. When I was a young preacher, the communion liturgy had the preacher on his knees during the communion service, praying a prayer of humble access before the altar. We don't do it that way anymore. We Methodists used to receive communion on our knees, and we don't do that so much anymore either. But I am grateful that at Mulberry, here when we do receive communion by intention, standing, that we can walk up to this altar and around this altar, which I never pass up on an opportunity, to come up here and get on my knees and humble myself before God in prayer. And so I said to Eddie, we're going to pray together. And we're going to get on our knees together because there may be things that we Differ on, but the fact that we love the Lord and we can pray together is powerful and awesome, and we will both be praying for higher ground. So, as I get ready to end these words today, I'm going to tell you in advance that when it comes to prayer time today, I'm going to move this microphone out just a little bit and I'm going to pray on my knees. And while I am moving this microphone out, wherever you're sitting, maybe you'll get on your knees as well. And even though we're not in the same room together, our hearts will be together and our knees will both be on the floor and we'll both be praying, Lord, put our nation on higher ground. Put me on higher ground personally. Let our church and our world be on higher ground together. I'm, I'm pressing on, I'm pressing on to higher ground. Come on, let's go together. Let's be God's people in this Christian nation, amen.